We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We, we got, got the, the truth. truth. Hey, guys. You are listening to the big truths of small business. I'm Joe Watkins here, and let me tell you a little bit about what this show is actually about. The Big Truths of Small Business is a constant search and seeking of the nuggets of truth, oftentimes that we don't want to see ourselves, we don't want to, that we push underneath a rug. It's, it's listening to the experiences of others and the wisdom of others to, to gleam things that we all know to be true, but we actually don't face it daily. So what we're doing on the show is we're, we're actually drawing out all of the, the ugly pores and we're revealing some real truths inside of that that we believe is necessary for you to move from where you are to where you want to go. And I'm here with my co-host, Travis Castle. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like we were going to get to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, Grammy award-winning, uh, Emmy award-winning co-host, Travis Castle. Okay, none of that's true. Joe, it's good to be here today. I love this topic. Yeah, we got a topic here today. We're going to do, I don't know, two or three shows on this. And this, this sums up why we do the show. We get excited about this kind of stuff. There's a lot of philosophy in our show. And uh, before we go any further, uh, we are sponsored by Yes, I Rent Property Management out of Atlanta, Georgia. Single family residential property managers, uh, really the best in the business. Uh, go to yesirent.com. And, and if you have a rental property or you need to buy an investment property, if you need to sell a property quickly for cash, those guys can get it done. We thank those guys for sponsoring the show. Uh, by the also, way, by the way, you get to talk to me personally if, in fact, you go to yesirent.com. There you go. Fill out the form. So also, uh, I want to say that we need our avid listeners to subscribe to the show. Okay? Oh, it helps boost ratings when people subscribe and give us reviews. And please, listen, refer us out. We are getting so much positive feedback on the show. Um, we just want to get it in front of more people. When we get it in front of more people, we might actually get paid to do this one day. <laughs> Not that we're going to pay any bills with it, but if we could just pay an assistant to kind of help us That'd with be nice. some of this, maybe we're, we've got you know video equipment that we've probably mentioned a few times. We're going to try to put this on the air. <laughs> we've realized that actually takes real people. Talent. And so that's what the money would be used for. So anyway, please do us a favor, share it, subscribe, and give us those reviews inside your podcast platform. All right, let's get to the show. In order to change your business, you must first do this. Mm. Is what we've titled it. Uh, and I think that there's more in this. But we, we, we have stumbled across here a, a, a video along with thoughts we've been having all week. As we've been describing... You know, when when someone has something tragic happen in their life, Travis. Mm. Let's let's just 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 be extreme. Cancer comes into your life. You're given a few months to live, and then and then and then you survive it. And post that survival, 
perspectives get immediately changed. Sometimes habits change immediately. Some things in life start to get realigned because you were faced with the, the, the infinite, you know, uh, I guess, future that you're no longer going to be around. So all of a sudden things, things just started lining up that made that, that, that were important in life and all the other stuff got flushed immediately in that crisis. And what we know in those types of uh, circumstances is that there's some real learnings that if only we could pull those learnings into a non-crisis situation, how cool would that be? And how would that potentially radically change our behavior going forward? And that's really what we're going to talk about in this show. So um, in 2006, after church, I don't know if I've told this story yet. It was 2006. We go to church. It's about 1230. I'm building what I like to refer to as the Redneck Mansion. Now, I'm not sure if that's polit- politically correct uh, to say anymore, but it, it is the Redneck Mansion in Sharpsburg, Georgia. I pull up. Uh, there's, I'm going to meet the painters there. And I'm um, sitting in the car. And uh, I have some uncomfortable feeling in my chest, right? Kind of permeating to my left shoulder. And I tell Patty, my wife, now we've got three kids all under five years old in the back of the car. I say, you know what? I don't care about the colors. I don't, you, you go talk to the painters. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not feeling real good. She goes inside. I, uh, I get out of the car, start kind of pacing. It's sort of an uncomfortable pacing kind of a thing. I know you've got some ills about you these days where you sort of pace around outside, and I, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm walking up and down the driveway. And then I notice that my right hand is holding my left shoulder. I didn't do it intentionally. I just noticed, well, what's that about? And then a flashback to the 10,000 movies and TV episodes that we've all seen of the guy holding his shoulder. And I thought, start thinking, um, is there something serious happening to me here? Do I need help? So Patty's still inside. I get back in the car. Kids are in the car. I drive over. It happens to be my mother and father live on this piece of land that we're building this house on. We go over to their house, um, knock on the door. They take the kids. I say, look, I think I need to lay down for a minute. I don't feel so good. Well, you watch the kids for a minute. Pat, you know, Patty's next door with the painters. Yeah, yeah, we'll watch. Yeah, sure. She, yeah, go back, lay down. I go lay down. Yeah, you <clears throat> feel a little comfortable feeling in my chest, by the way. kind of feels like something stuck in my throat. Uh, we just had lunch, and they hand me a bottled water. I chugged the bottled water. This Everything now is progressively getting worse. I'm getting nauseated, getting sick to my stomach. Go to the bathroom. Maybe I need to go to the bathroom. Frankly, maybe I need to throw up, right? I'm feeling nauseated. I look in the mirror, and Joe, I see a as white as the shirt I'm wearing right now on my face. I've lost all color in my face. Ooh. Blood is, you know, getting out of the extremities of my body. And I walk back into the living room, look at my dad, and I say, I think I'm having a heart attack. He looks at me, and he says, I think you need to go to the hospital. So, uh... Patty arrives at that time, knowing that I left. Uh, she had walked across uh, back to the, their, their house, puts me in the car, takes me to the hospital. Long story short, I had a heart attack. I was 32 years old, three kids. And uh, the person that saw me 
during this event was a cardiologist that was, he was serving in the ER that day. He's called an interventional cardiologist. It's time to intervene, right? It's someone must now intervene in my worst possible moment of my life, or I'm going to die if I don't have intervention. Well, he's the guy. So he comes to me and I'm laying on the, uh, I'm laying on the bed there in the ER and he had the gurney. It's not really a bed, you know? And he says, uh, son, puts his hand on my chest, son, you're having a myocardial infarction. <laughs> I said, well, what is that? It's a heart attack. And I said, no, I'm not. I looked right at him and said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. And he pulled the, uh, well, here's what's interesting. When you have that happen to you, they pull off the little uh, EKG that you're hooked up to, and it actually prints in the little back then the little dots say myocardial infarction mm. <laughs> and he held it up and put it in my face mm, gosh. <laughs> he, he showed you the truth for and real. then he went on to tell me what was going to happen and and they did their thing and saved my life and uh so when i think about this episode here here's here's the person who's driving down the road or or the frankly we're talking to small business owners overwhelmingly here's the thing i got up i showered that day I, I went to church, sat through the church service, um, went to lunch, and went on an appointment. And none of this entered my mind as even a remote possibility that this could happen. And so having said that, all the signs were there reflectively that this absolutely was on the table. So I, as we, I take that long, drawn-out story to tell you guys, it was 32 years old. That's been 15 years ago here next month for me. I tell you that if you're driving down the road, you're listening to this, you're a small business owner, um, you know, this episode and this series we're going to do is built around an intervention, frankly. We, we, we want to intervene. You don't need to go have the heart attack that I had. You don't need to lose your small business and your source of income and all the repercussions that happen from that. You, you need to get to the point of intervention before it's too late. And and that is really a great backdrop to the show is how do we get there without having a heart attack first? How, how do we move ourselves towards a place of of different mindset of of of, of thinking about things differently? without having to go through the heart attack. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of get through this and, and, and we, we, gosh, this has been such a, a, a wave of, of information and truth in the last couple of weeks. Cause we've been talking quite a bit about the tipping point. It's kind of what you've been calling it. Mm. Travis is, you know, cause you've, you've hit a couple tipping points for yourself in the last, you know, six months or so. And even some in the last couple of weeks, and 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 this is where the interest uh, began. Is you were trying to figure out why all of a sudden were you moving in a direction that was so hard to move prior to this sort of tipping point, tipping yeah. point, right? Yeah. Like why? Do, what happened? And what were all the things that occurred that that all of a sudden you? boom, started to do behaviors that you were unwilling to do, couldn't perceive doing prior to. 
and 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 so we've been kind of unpacking and breaking this down and trying to figure out well what can we we know you know you know your your story so how do we break this down and go what's actually occurred and is there something real here that we can glean that we can utilize in the future and then in, in doing so we've been doing research on it as well and so uh if for you guys that have listened to uh, uh our show you know that we're we are we we are very much a psychologically based program here. We are very fascinated by how the brain and the mind works. But today's show is a little interestingly different in that what we've discovered here through a very powerful uh, set of, of videos and and learnings is that potentially your body and its habitual everyday routine that has been put on it on the body by your emotional mindset in fact creates a somewhat of a hardware program by which your body begins to trump the mind's ability to change it i this stuff guys this is this is fascinating and let me give you some examples of 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 why that is and what we're talking about. So, if you're if you're the one that's got to have your routine, if you're the one that says I've got to get my Keurig coffee done by eight a.m. and I probably need two, eight thirty is not going to work for me. I need it at eight. If you're the guy that says or girl that says I've got got to have a shower before I go to bed, I do it every day, every week. I, I take my shower at 10 o'clock. I go to, I take my, my two melatonins. I need to read about 20 minutes of a book. I go to sleep. I toss and turn a little bit, but by one, by, by, by 12 PM, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully there by seven 30. I got to have that coffee maker set to, to be producing a coffee. But before that I'm getting in the shower so I can get rinsed off in the morning to wake up. And then I need a shot of, of, of caffeine with that coffee at, at eight o'clock. And then I've got to read that newspaper at 820 and I got to be on Facebook for 30 minutes to make sure I'm up to date with all my people. And I'm the person that's doing this every single day. And I'm not criticizing this at all. What, I, what I'm saying is, is that as human beings, our mind, our emotions love the idea of routine. And the reason why we like the idea of routine is because we actually reject the idea of change. And so the routine gives us a sense of comfort and familiarity, and that makes us emotionally feel well and stable. Okay. So again, I'm not criticizing the routine. Not, not necessarily bad. I'm not criticizing. But what I am saying is, is I'm building the case for that the reason why routines become what they become it's because they feel familiar and they feel good and they feel safe. And so when a routine gets changed and, and, and for you guys out there that don't like your routine to be changed, you know who you are. You get very uncomfortable. You might even get frustrated. You might even get angry if your routine gets interrupted, especially if you didn't have control over it. And so the show is about the fact that when this routine is is built over long periods of time 
And again, I'm using the routine of your of your wake up morning as an example of a routine that you can play out in many in many places in your life and your business. But it, when you begin to to imprint this routine over long periods of time, then what happens is your body now actually receives it, expects it, and then wants it. I'm not saying your mind anymore. I'm saying your body now becomes rote in its routine. Uh, I know this just in my own deal with, with sort of the pinched nerve I've been dealing with. What my chiropractor has said, well, when you create your posture in such a way over and over again, then your body wants to return to that improper posture. And, and, and if it continues to turn to an improper posture, and that posture in turn has pressure points that push back on the nerve, you're going to have a constant inflammation of your nerve. How do you change it? you got to break the routine, Joe. You've actually got to break the routine. So all, all that was a foundation to say that your body begins to dictate back to you what it wants. And so what we have learned here recently is that we've got to figure out how to reprogram our mind to speak back into our action because that constant routine and your body wanting to go there and the emotions that are created from it, positive or negative, by the way, and Travis is going to get into that, I think, because we're not talking about routines can be positive. Routines can create a lot of bad emotion as well. Uh, routine is not about this is what feels good to my body or my mind. Routine is this is what I know and what is comfortable and changing of that feels like conflict, even if the routine itself has negative consequences on, on ourselves. So that there's the foundation of, of what we're going to discuss today. <clears throat> and, and I think what we're discussing with that is in, and in terms of, so, so the idea here being change, right? I mean, change is hard. I mean, it's hard for everybody. Even those of us that like change, we don't like change that's imposed on us. We like to control it. But, why, why is it so hard to escape the past, right? Because that's what change, change is escaping the past. It's, it is. It's disrupting what you did yesterday. It is. And so what, what we want to tackle here and what we want to get into is patterns of behavior. Why are they so difficult to interrupt? And, and how do you, ultimately, how do you interrupt these patterns of behavior? And how do you interrupt them without a crisis to interrupt them? Absolutely. Because, you know, frankly, so going back after I had the heart attack, I lost 60 pounds in 90 days. Right? Not hard. It wasn't hard. In, in fact, my, my, my problem was, how am I going to stop losing weight? Not how am I going to lose weight? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I was probably 30, 40 pounds overweight. And I remember thinking, I don't know that I can stop losing weight. Right? I mean, so, so fear had set in. It went to the other side. So, you know, one of the things that we, we just sort of set through, we're, we're sort of researching this stuff, trying to bring it to you as best we can, um, has to do, has a lot to do. And you hear a lot of this today on, I feel like on my social media books that are written, there's a lot that has to do with your morning routine. 
And we're always hearing, you know, what's your, you know, the top 20 CEOs, what are their morning routines? What are they doing? And we're supposed to mimic that somehow. But an interesting thing that we've, we've sort of thought about here and we're kind of applying to ourselves now is when you wake up, what do you think about? The av- I think the average person, and again, we're thinking about you. We're thinking about the employees in your business, right? Why, why, why you, you try to introduce a new program, a new way of doing something, a new process, and you're immediately met with resistance over that. And this answers some of that. But w- when you wake up, what do you, what do you generally wake up to? I mean, what are your first thoughts as you're lying in bed and how significant are those? I think what we're learning is those are very significant. I think what we're learning is your first few thoughts are generally, hey, what, you know, what happened yesterday? Yeah, what, uh, what we learned is your familiar past will become your future, if not interrupted. Mm. So you've heard all the cliches, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you don't change anything, you'll still get the same results. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've heard these things. Um, what I haven't actually tied together with that is your thoughts the most natural thoughts that you would naturally wake up with in the morning are going to be thoughts left over from the previous day or, or the previous week. Now they may be good thoughts, which might be a good thing, but they may be bad thoughts. There may be some actually some heartaches that occurred in the last 24 hours that you're allowing to actually define your next day. Mm. And, 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 and without even knowing you're, 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 you're subconsciously moving those thoughts through potentially many days or week. And what are some of those thoughts? Well, it could be your failures. You know, you, uh, this is something you mentioned, you know, not long ago is, you know, in sales, salespeople have to become very familiar with like a non-answer, a no, a never call back. Uh, And if you're not careful, you you could use that as, as data to mean I'm a failure. It must be me. I'm not doing something well. hundred percent. And so hundred, let's stop right there. hundred percent. You can do, so let's just say this out loud for all the small business guys. Listen, you can do everything right and fail, by the way. Uh, the market can shift. The market can change. The price can change. Uh, the, your business plan can become you know, outdated too quickly, frankly, for you to have fixed it, uh, even with perfect knowledge. So, Or it's all self-aligned. You, you just... Didn't win the last twenty in a row. Just didn't win the last twenty in a row. This is this you just is, lost the last twenty. Yeah, look, look, we're, we are counting cards here as salespeople. We kind of know what's in the deck. It doesn't mean we know the next card coming up. It doesn't mean we know the next five hands that are going to be dealt to us. And if we personalize that and we take that, we take you know. To me, this is just the devil on our shoulders. If we take that information and we begin to believe somehow the next card that's dealt somehow has something to do with me losing, it needs me. Oh, to lose. wow. What a great, what a great uh, visual that we actually mentally do the opposite. 
if we're sitting at the roulette table in Las Vegas, we actually take the loss, 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 loss to mean that percentage wise, it tells me I've got to win the next bet one. Big next time. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> they, 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 they reverse the psychology <laughs> on us because we, we want it so badly. They do. That we actually flip the script on it. That's interesting because maybe that's some psychology we need to bring into the. To, I never hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. That, it's that's, the exact opposite that occurred. We don't sit there and go, "Well, oh, I just ne- can't never win." I mean, they just got it fixed. I mean, I mean, the at roulette table. By the way, if you look at the percentages of the roulette table, <laughs> if I put the exact same bet on the exact same number every single time, right. I'm going to win forty eight percent of the time. And, and the house is going to win 52% of the time. Yeah. It's actually the, the, one of the better bets in Las Vegas. However. It has nothing to do with me personally. No. Right. Or the way I lay the chips no. on the table. No. Or, or anything. Now, it could yeah. be in any, one, in any one 10 or 20 hand stretch right. that you lose 65% of the time. So, so the, better's, <laughs> the better's fallacy. I've been to Las Vegas a bunch, right? Yeah. So, so the better's fallacy is this. Las Vegas, years ago, they went to a digital board they put beside the roulette wheel, by the way. The r- roulette is crack if you're a, if you're a gambler. Any, any gamblers listening would know this. So the reason they have the digital sign by the roulette wheel is they're showing you the last 25 or so uh, results of the spin of the uh, you know red 25 you know black 33 what what whatever and they want the gambler to look at those results and go wait a minute Joe it's hit black 10 times in a row it's due to hit red it has to hit red well this is the gambler's fallacy the reality is it's the same chance. It's still a the, 48, 52, the, or, or whatever. The wheel, the wheel doesn't know. You got two greens. <laughs> and you, you got, got two greens. And you got, and they win the greens. That's right. And you got the 48 here and the 48 there. It's still 48%. You, 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 the, the, the wheel doesn't have a bias here. It no. doesn't know that it hit red or black 10 times in a row. And so I would just say to the sales guys, and by the way, every small business guy ultimately is a sales guy, is there's a, there, there's a piece that you control. Now, now look. There's definitely in my sales slump earlier this year, there was definitely a piece that I controlled. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I think what we're saying is, is part of what you didn't control was sort of out of a program fallacy. Oh, hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Like it, like our whole business model failed. (laughs) You're making me. There's no more customers. (laughs) It's not going to work. We we, we all do this. We make these sweet, (laughs) We, we make these huge decisions. Never mind the last 10 customers I closed. By the way, 10 in a row that I closed, they don't matter a bit. What matters is that last guy or that last girl and her feedback and what she said. We need to change right. everything. I mean, right. But why? Why? Because it connected to a part of me that wakes up every morning and ruminates on the one that I lost versus mm. the one that I won. Right. It's actually a revisitation of the past. It is. That's right. That's what we're discussing here. Confirming what I might believe to be true already. We are allowing the past to to literally subconsciously imprint our future. That's right. And so uh, I don't know. That's that's pretty interesting. Uh, One of the things that uh, that was learned here in uh, our, our research is that. You, be, you begin to actually lose, if you're not careful, 
you begin to lose a little self-control to the program. And what's the program? The program is the routine of behavior, which creates the routine of emotion. And so say it again, the routine of the behavior creates the routine of the emotion. And you don't want to move off the routine of the emotion because it's familiar. That's okay. Again, it doesn't have to be positively familiar. Okay, why why do and I hate to bring this extreme up, but extremes help I to hate, actually I hate this part. Extremes actually actually do underscore the, the principle. Why why do most people who sexually offend why were they previously sexually offended mm. against? or offended against in some major way. And why do they repeat that? Even though it was really tragic in their life. Negative. This is a very, very negative. negative. Well, the research suggests that they're familiar, that that familiarity is the easiest gravitational pull. It is. It's, it's where the gravitational pull is, is familiarity. That's right. When we, move off of our familiarity, that's where discomfort comes. And so this seems really out there. And I'm not here to justify any behaviors. What I am saying is, is that it is, it is the reason why the offended offend. It's also the reason why. Um, so, so there's something we've said on the show before a number of times. Your, your top five, show me your top five friends. I'll show you who you will be in a couple of years. No right? question. Why is it so hard? So, so people agree with that. People don't generally disagree with that. That's almost bumper sticker uh, kind of stuff. But why is it so hard to move off of those five friends you've had since high school? Familiarity. It's familiarity. I mean, th- this is the reason why it's so hard. It's familiarity. And uh, to challenge familiarity is to, is to move through a bit of pain. So we talked about physical therapy prior to the show. Physical therapists, they really don't make their living on doing things that are like, I mean, they're, wow, I can't believe that's what it took to get there. No, we all know probably what it would take to get there. Like if your arm doesn't want to go higher, we know that ultimately it needs to go higher. Mm-hmm. Well, what's between that and, and, and going higher? It's pain. 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 Well, in, in a sense of familiarity and comfort, we go, no, this is pretty much as high as I go. I can do it like 90 degrees. And he goes, oh, bull crap. You're, today, you're taking it to 110 degrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah. ah, oh, we, oh, oh. We got to pay him. Okay. We, we got to pay somebody to do this. You got to pay yeah. somebody to take you through the pain because your comfort and familiarity is so real to you that, I, this was interesting too. So I'm talking to a buddy of mine recently and, we're, and he had a motorcycle accident and years ago and he's going through physical therapy and he gets done and, and, and they say we're done. And he goes, he's the opposite of this. Well, he's the opposite of familiarity, which is wild hang around the guy. He goes, we're done. I, I don't have full range of motion. Like I can't get, my arm, my left arm up to where my right arm goes. Like, this is not, it's not going to work for me. 
and and they're like uh well no i mean you've been through like that's where it's going to be you've been through all the physical therapy that's just he's like no, no I, I don't accept that I, I want full range of motion well there is one potential option this is the extreme measure that i'm trying to create to tell you about there's one option here that can that can get you full range of motion and it's been fairly predictably successful okay great what is it we can dry needle you Ooh, sounds well let's dry needling very painful well it's taking long needles and and, and literally sticking them straight into your muscle Ugh. in several places to this is interesting it, it actually constricts your muscle to such tension that it exhausts its own self and then relaxes. A place you can't get otherwise. Never. Yeah. He's like, so in his classic fashion, oh, yeah, 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 let's, uh, let's do that. Well, it's very painful. I, I, I want full range of motion. Let's do it. You've got to sign a document that says there's some way... I, I, they do it. He said literally within minutes. And it was, he said it was severely painful. <laughs> <laughs> literally within minutes, he raised his hand full, full range of motion, raised his arm full range of, range of motion. And what, what does memory do in your body? Oh, I can go there. Okay. Mm. I can go there now. Oh, it's just it's crazy. So, but it was that 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 immense measure of pain for a short period sure. to create the new memory that now imprints back on your mind because it's right. it's body back to mind. And this is what what we've been learning is your body actually has a lot more programming back to your mind. We call and what this uh, gentleman said on the video that we watched was that that your mind becomes a slave to the body. Well, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, so we, we talked a couple of episodes back, I want to say, about fake it till you... I asked the question to you and a guest, should, should, do, do you believe in fake it till you make and it? And I raised my hand and said yes. That theory. But both of you guys said, said, I believe it. I believe it, too. And I could... It, this honestly backs it up pretty dramatically. You know, when you just walk in the room... We, we've all seen this. We, frankly, we've all probably done it in subcompatible. We walked into a room where we shouldn't be in that room yet. We're not fully the expert yet, but we're asked to do to do something. And the idea is we're going to walk in that room with full confidence and we're going to go as deep into that conversation as we can get. Here's what happens over time. And you don't know. None of us can point to a day, for the most part, where it happens, where you walk in that room and you're no longer faking it. You actually are the expert. The confidence you feel is actually validated by history now that you have, have proven. And I, and I feel like that's exactly in the middle of what we're I love it. I mean, now. what's cool about the fake it till you make it statement, it actually, and again, we're making these, these connections right here and now, it, it's repetitions that create memory. That's right. Just like the physical therapist. That, that create, you know, routine. So if faking it is creating repetition, repetition is creating experience and is creating routine. Without faking it, if you don't fake it because you, oh, quote, don't know how to do it, then you just don't ever get the repetitions. Right. And so, you know, now more than ever, 
yeah, let's fake it till you make it. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, because sure. because the action imprints back on our mind emotionally. So so I, I, I told you this. There's some, and everybody's experienced this for sure. There's something about being out of shape, and you go to the gym for the first day. And, mm. and what you feel like when you walk in the gym, you, you, know, you tell the person your membership number, you write your name on the ledger, and you walk in, and you haven't been to the gym in a year. Honestly, you feel like a fraud. I mean, you, you, what do you see in the gym? You see the guy that comes three, you know, he comes three times a day. You don't even know if this guy has a job. He is shredded from his head to his toe. I mean, he's out there just pumping iron, screaming. You know, you see, you see the good-looking girls. They're on the treadmill and everything. They're obviously working out. And you sort of, you know, you pass by the mirror and you sort of catch a glimpse of yourself. And you go, what am I doing here? You go, Are you kidding me? Everybody sees what actually is going on with me, right? You're an imposter, right? Ah, the imposter the, bias. The imposter syndrome. We're right in the middle of it. But what happens? You persevere. You get on the treadmill. You do your 15 minutes. You almost die two or three times. You get off, you, you do a few curls, you, know, you, you sort of do the bare minimum, frankly. You leave the gym, you get in the car, you broke a little bit of a sweat, but you're driving home and what happens? Somewhere after you leave that gym, you teach yourself for the first time in a year, hey, you know what, I actually did that, check mark. You know, I, I think I can come back tomorrow. That wasn't so bad. I didn't die in there. I mean, nobody laughed at me. I mean, th this wasn't really, frankly, a big deal at all. And by, by doing a physical act that you didn't want to do, that you thought about quitting two or three times in the middle of doing it, you now have started to already get a feel-good feeling out of that physical act of, hey, wait a minute. I think I can come back tomorrow. And in fact, I kind of get something out of this. Yeah, you've pushed... Uh possibly release some serotonin not not because you've witnessed the results but because the act of the decision carried out alone has has tweaked your mindset to this is not so bad that's right i do this a few more times it, 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 this is what happens. Repetition makes it easier. And by the way, people who go to the gym for like 10 years, when you actually do engage in conversation with the gym guy, and I know we're not quite here on this part. We're not revealing everything here. But when you actually sit down and you talk to the gym guy, he can't not go to the gym, by the way. That's just, he. that's who he actually, I mean, it has become, it has taken over. He's going to the gym. Well, and he's not doing it at that point because... He's having to go through the pain of doing it. This is this is the beauty in this. Right. The pain for him was gone a long, long time, time ago. ago. Very early. This is fact. this is like drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. Right. This is rote. This is routine. He already has the proof in the pudding that suggests why he should do it. And why do I drink coffee every morning? Because God, it gives me a little shot of caffeine. I like it. It feels good. I, right. it, it actually does something. And then the routine of it makes me feel like I'm part of some, you know, cult. That's right. I'm, I'm in the coffee cult. Well, this dude, he went through the pain of, you know, four, five, ten visits. He's in, he's in the workout cult, you know. So I, I'm going to take you back to a time in our business a little over a year ago where you and I felt some pain. We hadn't talked about doing this on the show. but uh -oh. There was some, hey, there was a bit of a heart attack that entered. You, you called me, and it was along the lines of, uh, you're not going to believe the conversation I just had. <laughs> 
are trusted uh, for you, maybe 20 year, you know, for me brand new at the time, but I was hanging my hat on her for sure. Our trusted accountant is making other plans, kind of changing the business model a little bit on us, is, is frankly not going to be a part of our small business in the same way that she's been a part of our small business. Now, anybody who's doing any volume in business and, and understands how important most of us small business guys are not accountants by nature. It's not something we're just going to step in and pick up the slack and figure out. It's actually not who we are. So we got to hire. This is one of the jobs we got to hire out. And now that was going. In fact, that was a pretty short timeline. We needed to find somebody. And, and at the, by the way, at the heart of our business is accounting, mm. right? And this is your chef at the restaurant saying, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm checking out on you guys. You got to find a new chef. And, and so the phone call was a bit, it was a bit of the emergency room type thing. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think for us. Yeah, no doubt. But the process we had to go through was painful. I mean, it was, in fact, scary. And it was uncharted waters. We're about to hand something over Completely to Completely unknown. I mean, you're talking about our financial life. Uh, all, I mean, someone who has a small business our size, really too much control and access. Too much control. You know, uh, but we're not big enough to have, you know, three or four checks and balances. And so, yeah, very stressful. Um, but we did a good job on this because what we realized was you can't shortcut this. There's pain in this, and, and, and the pain will be worth the result if, if we're willing to do it. That, that's, why I'm, that, that's why I want to bring it up is because there is, within this context of negativity, there, there's freedom in going through the pain. I mean, it's, it's no different than the gym conversation. I mean, you know, uh, two weeks in, you, you're breathing better, you feel better, you sleep better. There's freedom that comes through what, what we're discussing. Now, that was a little bit of the crisis situation. We did. Right? And what we're trying to get to is how do we, how do we, how we do this without the crises. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about, because uh, we're not going to give you the full answer in this program <laughs> as to how you actually intentionally move before a crisis okay we're going to continue to explain um how the how the behaviors become so rote and why and we're gonna we're gonna we may tease you at the end here with the actual hmm. tidbit answer without any any description because the next show is going to be the detailed full blown understanding of how you reprogram yourself to do this ahead of a crisis. It's a lot of pressure. It is. That, that shows it is. And we got some, we got some research to do. <laughs> we, we've got some late nights here. So, uh, these are some things I wanted to say. We, we've said this, the familiar past will become your future, good or bad. Uh, you go through a series of routine behaviors. This routine becomes your program. You lose self-control because now your program functions much like a computer. It functions without you. Um, they use uh, uh, negative emotions to reaffirm the limitations you have. So if you have negative emotions that are coming into your daily thinking and routine, and 
they are actually reaffirming to you daily if you don't break it your own limitations your limitations are only limited by the way if you're an adult with a with a sound mind and body you're only limited by you not by anyone else it's a cop out if you give it to anyone else this is a nugget of the show you are only limited by you in in sound mind and body okay so th- this is key here this is key by, to the transition. By, by the way, let's, let's don't move off that for a minute because what do we all do? We hedge our bets. So, so if I've got some insecurity around, let's say, well, let's just let's take me. I'll jump in around growing our business. That's what I'm chartered with with doing here. So, if I got some insecurity around that, let's say that insecurity. I look at the work that's required and I go, oh, God, Joe, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm gonna wake up and do that every day. Then, then what is the natural thing that I'm going to do? I'm going to create a problem. I need it to be our pricing. We just, we were asking too much. You'll look for external, right? I, 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 I need it to be something other than me. Right. Yeah. And so I can lean on that. I can wait. In fact, honestly, I can wake up and I can kind of think about my day and I can insert all these reasons why it's not going to be successful. And, and it could be those things. And so... Part of part of sort of weeding out, you know, the 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 area of problems is, hey, we've done the adequate research and we've we've pieced together what we believe with all the information that we could possibly gather and being very true to ourselves that we have a good pricing strategy. Now, once we've checked that box, yeah, if you're going back to the pricing, then. You know, I'm try, trying to create a hedge. I'm, try, I'm, try, try, I'm trying to create something I can point to and go, look at that over there. It has no, nothing to do with me. So, so it's kind of a self-limiting type type belief. So, so in these negative thoughts and emotions that reaffirm the limitations you have, at, at, at some level, your body becomes your subconscious mind. And when we say body, what we mean is your ongoing regular habits and thoughts without any break of environment or break of, 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 of a rewire recircuit might be what we call the next show. It's a re a recircuitry, a reprogram of your mind without that. What we're calling your body is this, this, this sort of rote programming that is imprinting on our uh, on our mind and our, we, and our, we, and our emotions. We can't escape. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can't escape our body. No. Our, our our body is the actual. Uh, everything culminates there. I mean, how many times has somebody walked in a room before they've said anything? You know what kind of day they're having. You know, when they walk in a room before they've said anything, you know their position on. 10 different issues, frankly, by the way they present themselves. Are they slouching? Are they a little depressed? I mean, all of this is revealed in your body. Absolutely. So there, there, here's some critical points here. Your thoughts left unchecked will become your destiny. Why is that? Because we automatically believe that our thoughts are true. And let me say this is another nugget, underscore it. Just because you think it doesn't make it true. Just because you think it 
doesn't make it true. Okay. And so left unchecked, your thinking is your truth and it will become your destiny. Well, and that works two ways. You can be overly optimistic. Everything's going to come up roses. Let's go ahead and push all the money into the center because I'm going to get an ace on this next draw, right? It can be your complete belief. Or your belief is you're sitting there with three aces and and somebody else has, you know, a a four of a kind on the other side. Gosh, yeah. Right? So poker's a great great representation of how some of this stuff plays out. Uh, Your thoughts will become your destiny left unchecked. Um, I love this. And this is the premise, guys, of the big truths of small business here. Our show is about being self-aware. It's about becoming aware of what's going on in you and around you so you can actually tell yourself the truth so you actually can make decisions based in truth. The more you become conscious and aware of your unconscious, the actually, the more you will influence fact change without a crisis let's say that again you have to become very consciously aware of what your unconscious is imprinting on you and your daily habits and routine so you can outside of a crisis make radical change in your future behavior to change your to to get to where you want to be Okay, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give this away. This is part two, but there is a so when you hear that you go okay, what's that about? There is a definite way to determine. Again, think about your body and what you're doing during the day. Where do you go? I mean, what do you actually do when you get there? There's a very uh, data driven way around determining where you're at with that. We'll, We'll we'll leave it at that and then we'll pick that back up uh we'll make that a nugget on part two joe okay that sounds good so as you allow yourself again our show is all about self-awareness as you truly intentionally become self-aware of how your unconscious is imprinting on you you now take a a lot more control on how you can shift your future actions and energy. So let's say this, where you place your attention is where you place your energy. Um, if, if you let your subconscious guide your attention, then your past successes and failures will guide your future energy. So how about place your attention proactively on what you're, on what you're going to do and what you're trying to do. So your energy follows that. Okay. So I I got a bit of an analogy there because when I heard this, this was sort of interesting to me left to your own device. If the programming, I should say this, if the programming is a bit of failure based on the past, let's say that. Okay. If the, if we'll qualify it, if your programming and is. And that's based, probably the, the foundation that we're coming from. Cause we are. If, if, if everything's going well, then we won't, 
well things to imprint our future, right? So this is Keep it this is the things that that hold you down. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The, the the idea is jumping off the bad track, getting on the good one. So think about your car, and even a car that's well aligned. Frankly, I'm the the one you just took to the shop, and and you're driving down the interstate at 75 miles an hour. Uh, Joe and I had a little experience with this pulling an RV uh, this uh, past weekend. Take your hands off the wheel. So take your attention away from it. You reach for something for a minute. Your hands are not on the wheel. That, Jesus, take the wheel, please. Jesus, take the wheel. He need, <laughs> in that scenario, he needs to. Be, because if he doesn't... We're, we're, not, we're not looking too good. Out, outside of Jesus, your car has a bias, right? It's built... Mm. It, it's probably going to veer to It's, it's going right. to bias to whatever the road... Tells it to do wherever the road, the little bump in the road, or now, the or the, the 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 low tire pressure in the right tire. It, it, the, <laughs> the weakness becomes exposed when Big your attention time. gets off of it. So so th- think about that car getting away from you when you take your hands off the wheel. I then, like that. The other analogy I got along these lines is the short memory. And again, I don't. We're not getting into fixes this week, but I always use with uh, in my life, and and the example I use is Tom Brady as the ultimate quarterback. The short memory. Tom's bias when he throws in it, what, what's he do? Overwhelmingly, it's the golfer that makes the bogey. The great, how, how many times has Tiger Woods made a bogey and then that next hole was a birdie? And it's very revealing of what his program actually is. His program is not to make bogey, bogey, double. His program and his software that he's running on, like a Tom Brady who just threw an interception, the good bet is, Tiger's going to go birdie, birdie eagle. Well, let's talk about why that is, and then we're going to go into a final place of attention here. The, the, the reason why that is is not by happenstance. It's not because some overwhelming talent. It's because Tom Brady, for 20-plus years, has programmed on the practice field that little slant over and over and over and over and over again. And by the way, in that practice, he's also incompleted a lot of them. Oh, I've done that before. Eh, that didn't mean anything. That didn't mean I can't make them, make a bunch of them either. So it's this, this, this programming of what's, what's normal, of what's expected. His thought is, knowing me right around the corner, I'm going to throw a touchdown. Knowing me. He's built in himself a programming of positivity, not only because he's got help. This is part of, I think, maybe in stage two of our show, but but there are other people helping to to build a program of, of, of success and positivity. But he's actually done the work to to create an expectation of consistency. Mm-hmm. You, you can't go out here and say, well, you know, I'm gonna lay the best concrete. Yeah, I only do it though. Well, let me back up from concrete. I, I, I play in a, in a in a billiards league, in a pool league, every Tuesday night, most Tuesday nights, and I, I recognized last night that I'm not going to get any better if all I do is show up on Tuesday night and shoot again and shoot and shoot my match. Like I'm exposed to competition with no repetition. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, so, so even the expectation that I would take these guys out, these guys, most of the guys that are the high level players, that is their, that is their sport. Like Mm -hmm. that is what they do. That's right. They do it 
on Tuesday night. They do it on Friday night. They do it on Saturday. They do it at home. I do it on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And so I either, A, adjust my expectation to, gosh, if I can even get through a guy and beat one of these guys, that's pretty dang good. Or I put some repetitions in so I can have a little bit of a bankable expectation of, of success. That's right. And so the repetitions are huge, and that's part of We're going to talk about that, and we're not going to get there too deep here because repetitions might be point number one in episode number two. But here's what I'm going to – before you, you create the repetitions that are on the proactive approach to success, we got one more thing to do. we got to pull the weeds. If you want a beautiful, vibrant garden, I don't, I don't, I think we all can agree that if there's ugly weeds throughout that garden or throughout that, that, you know, bed, that flower bed, it's very difficult to see the beauty in the flower if the nasty little weed is right next to it, maybe even a little bit higher than it, maybe even a little bit greener than it. But it's still a virus. It's still a weed. And so in order, in order to, to sort of put yourself in a place where you can fertilize the flower and that actually makes sense, you might need to pluck some weeds here. And, and what are the weeds, Travis? I'm going to suggest one or two, and you, you jump in here. But I suggest that if you have a, a – and maybe you need help here. If you have some habits that are – that Dr. Phil says <laughs> is not good. Because he, he's I – would, I would give Dr. Phil a bit of – he's the man of truth. Pretty good standing. He's a bit, he's a, he's a bit of the man of truth, right? Yeah. If Dr. Phil says that, you know, drinking alcohol, you know, five times a week at, at, at an overdose might inhibit, you know, other things in your life. And I could mention some. I mean, maybe you're not having good sex with your wife. Maybe you are unfocused in work, whatever they may be. We know that alcohol could, is a major contributor to a lack of focus, to a lack of, of erectile function, <laughs> whatever the case may be. You got to pluck that weed, brother. You, there, there's no repetition here that's, that, that, that trumps the weed that hasn't been plucked, okay? Can I say that? I, I don't know how to follow that up. That's the most <laughs> devastating weed that I can think of. I'm not sure anybody would want to do that to themselves. But, 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 but it happens. It happens. And we do it, and we, 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 we glaze over it. Okay, well, if you're trying to lose weight, and every single day, I just had a conversation with one of my contractor buddies. He's having some serious health issues, like, like stomach-wise. I'm no doctor. I just, I, I love him, and I'm, I'm just... Mm-hmm. I'm interested in his health and I'm, I'm asking questions. And as I ask the questions, what do I hear? What are the two most glaring things I hear as a non-doctor as he's been, by the way, to about five different specialists trying to figure out the problem. What do I hear in the conversation? I drink four to five Cokes a day mm-hmm. and I smoke still. I'm like, dude, before I did 
any kind of medication, any kind of surgery, or believed anything else. All nutritionists, all health people of any kind would agree smoking is a major contributor to things. Drinking acid-based Cokes five a day every day is, is not good. Replace the Cokes with water, drink your Cokes sparingly, and get rid of the cigarettes, put a patch on your arm. It's possible that these issues go away. That's the weeds you got to pluck before you ever like position yourself in some other, you know, trajectory. So, so, so the truth you have to, and again, we're back to self-awareness, but, but the truth you got to tell yourself is the weed, it's not there to be a part of the garden. No, that's not the design of the weed. The weed it's is a virus. The, the weed is there to choke the garden out. That's the devil, and to kill everything in the garden, and to now just be nothing but weeds. Uh, the 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 cigarette is there to do the same thing, and and we can go on and on and on with with health issues. I mean, if you pull it up by the root and you look at it, it's not wanting to coexist with you. It's wanting to take over. And this is part of what we're discussing today. So, you know, when you become addicted to alcohol, when you become addicted to cigarettes or to Cokes or to... If you're cheating on your wife regularly, don't ask why you're not successful in your business. These things go together. Yeah. Yeah, these things go together. It's It's a weed. It's there to completely take over, right? And that's that's part of our faith, too. I mean, we we, we have have a faith foundation to, to this show that that has a, a, a belief that there actually is a polarizing element to all this. There actually is good and bad. There actually is right or wrong. There actually is... There's absolute truth. There actually is absolute truth. So when you're not looking at it for what it is, right? I mean, look, if, if, you're, if you're the alcoholic and, and you're spiraling down downhill, you know, at some point, whether you have this self-awareness conversation or not, you find yourself alone. You find yourself next to dead, right? Like you, you come face to face with what this actually is in your small business. It, it tends to be more like a a toothache, like over time, there's a little bit of decay there. There's something not quite right. I kind of ignore it. I don't want to deal with it, but you know what? It's not going to go away. It's going to become, this is a root canal in your future. And that's what, that's what this show's about. We, we want to get ahead of that. I don't want you on the helicopter trip to the hospital right. like I went to. We, we want to get to it, but, but, but getting to it and ever beginning to engage in this discussion lands on calling it for what it is. Unequivocally, the next show we're going to, to actually expose to you in explicit detail how to reprogram your mind. Mm, oh, wow, finally. Short of, short of the... The sort of crisis that crisis that you that that commonly is needed to reprogram the mind. We've actually figured this out. Well, I mean, we've we're down the road of figuring it. We <laughs> we 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 proclaim to be seeking the truth, yes, not to right. know all the truths. And we'll, so we are certainly going to give you some truth seeking. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, uh, the devil is there to kill, steal, and destroy. That's right, amen. And uh, listen, we all have the many. Uh, sort of uh, devils in our life. And, 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 and we're not here to, to sit here and say that you can just eradicate these overnight. But I think in, a, in, a, in an element of self-awareness, we have become very self-aware in our business, in our life, in our partnership, that this thing is ugly as it is. At this moment in time, we are not able to con- conquer this. It's there. 
And, and therefore, based on this being there, we had need to have an element of expectation around it. And so some of this is modifying your expectation based on what is present. Because, listen, if you're in a toxic relationship, you can't just end this overnight, right? There's potentially because there's kids involved, there's process, whatever there may be. Uh, but to, to not acknowledge that there's a toxicity in toxicity, whatever however you say it, in the relationship would be toxic in your future growth. So, so that that so next week we're going to get into the the sort of the mental uh, reprogram. And uh, hey, uh, anything else to add? I mean, we're that's the that's well, the big truth of the day. Gotta tune in next week. You know, because in order to change your business and comment your life is kind of what our show is. It's business and life together. You must first do this. Well, in fact, we lied to you. It's in the next show. <laughs> but we exposed what it comes from here. And so we appreciate you listening to the big trees of small business. Visit yesirent.com slash podcast. You get our big trees podcast as well as our rental property hangover and any podcast network. Give us those star ratings. Pass this thing forward. We appreciate you listening to the show. We're out. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by SI Rent.